0: Amen. Let's turn our Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 2 today. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 25. Very uh, fitting that we would sing a song about the power of Almighty God living within us. For we need, we need His power in every season of our life. Again, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 18 through 25 in just a moment. Th- this morning, we're, we're going to talk about a, a subject... That is a bit difficult to cover. And and that is the topic of suffering. That's the topic of suffering. Everyone here at some point in their life to a certain degree... Has suffered. Some of you have suffered very little in, in your life, and others have have suffered more or much in life. Some of you may have been through some, some tragic and, and, and painful circumstances. Uh, uh, some of you have lost a lot. Some of you have experienced difficult times and circumstances. Some of you are going through them uh, right now, whether, whether it's sickness or disease or, or even the death of a loved one or loss of finances or possessions possessions or a job, maybe maybe a hurting relationship, maybe uh, an abusive or unfaithful relationship, whether it's suffering mentally or, or emotionally, physically or spiritually, or even suffering at the hands of those who are persecuting you, as in our, as in our text today, the reality is, is that all of us, all of us will go through this life and we will have times where we will indeed suffer. And, and, and you know what? It's different, seasons for different moments in your life some of you some of you have already overcome uh, some of the suffering in your life and you 're experiencing victory at the moment. Some of you are in the midst of suffering even right now and, and some of you may be about to embark on, on a season of suffering uh, but whatever you 're facing. There, there is a word of God, or a word from God today, from the word of God, that, that addresses us as believers in times that we may suffer. Now, this is a statement that I'm going to make that may not go over so well with all of you today, and, and I want to be uh, as sensitive as that can be, as, as possible as I say it, but I believe, personally, that, that through every heartache, uh, through, through every hurt, through every hurdle, through every season of life, there is a purpose that comes. From God, I believe that. I believe that we don't go through anything in life haphazardly. I believe that God is sovereign; He is in control. And here's the thing: whatever we may go through, whatever we may go through, we will learn that divine purpose. And you see, God God gives us a a new perspective at times, a different perspective when we go through hard times. We see His purposes and plans in in a new way. We live differently because of it. And above that, when we go through hard and challenging times, we grow. We mature. We become more and more like Jesus through those times. There, there was a man. His name was Sir Edmund Hillary, and, and he was a New Zealand uh, uh, mountaineer, explorer, and phil- philanthropist. And, and, and he was one of the first mountaineers, actually the first mountaineer to reach the summit uh, of Mount Everest. I believe it was in 1953. Well, he didn't just one day uh, wake up and say, you know what, today I'm going to climb Mount Everest. This is a twenty nine thousand, twenty nine foot mountain, okay? It is the tallest peak in the world. And so, and so no, he, he failed several times before he actually got to the summit. Well, on one occasion, on one occasion, Hillary was, was climbing the mountain, and he had to leave behind five dead associates on the side of the mountain to get back down. He goes back home and The British Parliament is there to recognize him for the effort that he made. So they invite him into their chambers. And at the front of their room, they placed a picture of of beautiful, majestic Mount Everest for everyone to enjoy. Well, when Sir Edmund Hillary walks into the room, members of parliament, they, they rise to their feet and they, and they applaud. They give him a, a standing ovation. And when he saw these great legislators, these members of parliament, standing and applauding his good efforts, tears began to fill his eyes. And, and many members saw his tears and they thought, Oh, look, he, he's overcome with, with happiness because we're recognizing such a, a valiant effort. Well, those tears were not of happiness. They were not of joy. They were tears of anger. They were tears of frustration. Sir Edmund Hillary had not set out to leave five dead associates on the side of the mountain. He had not climbed the mountain only to get halfway up. He had not climbed the mountains only get three quarters of the way up or 90% of the way up. He had climbed the mountain to make it to the top and he had not done that yet. And he walks to the front of the room and he begins to pound on the picture of Mount Everest. And Sir Edmund Hillary says this aloud. He screams at the mountain, you defeated me, but you won't defeat me again. Because you have grown all that you can, I am still growing. And as he walked to the front of the room, he recognized something. Certainly he had made a good effort to climb the mountain. But the greatest enemy of excellence is good. He had not set out to to make a good effort at climbing Everest. He had set out to arrive at the top And ultimately, Sir Edmund Hillary was the first man to ever climb Mount Everest completely. Why? Because he learned. He grew in his suffering. Even in pain, even in disappointment, even in trial and loss, he continued to grow he pressed forward. Now, every believer in Jesus Christ should have a moment of transparency right now and, and honesty. And you need to ask yourself, I've asked myself over the course of this week, am I still growing even in the hard places in my life? Even if suffering may abound and may, and may come, am I still growing? Am I still moving forward? Or am I allowing the mountain, the struggle, the suffering... To win. 1 Peter chapter 2 is all about growing spiritually. We are becoming, through our circumstances, more like Christ. We are daily to be set apart for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before those in the church, those are those who belong to Jesus, but also before those who do not know Jesus. And there are certain attitudes, and there are certain behaviors, and there are certain actions that must be surrendered to Christ and forsaken. While other actions, while other attitudes, must be worked on and implemented so that Jesus may be more may be seen more clearly in my life so that his name and kingdom will be further glorified. Otherwise, if they see my flesh and they see me and they see me in the midst of my struggle and allowing that struggle to win, my witness, my testimony could be lost. You see, we have a responsibility. We have a calling as living stones, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special people to give praise to Christ who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light and as pilgrims, as travelers passing through this life into the next. Our conduct, our character is to be honorable among all people. Now, now last week in 1 Peter chapter 2, he begins to show us how we're supposed to grow as citizens. And and so we talked about how we're supposed to be submissive uh, to those who have authority over us in government and and even in employment. Even those who wish to harm us, we're to be submissive. And, And that leads us into this conversation today about suffering, being willing to suffer for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Now, now, here's the thing about this book. This is one of the primary reasons that Peter wrote the, the epistle that we're reading today. It was written originally for pilgrims who were suffering for Christ. And, and, and through all of this, through storms, through challenges, through trials, through hardships, through suffering, believers are called to set an example. Yes, we're even to suffer differently than that of the world. We're to set an example If we're going through a hard time. Now, where we are in 1 Peter chapter 2 is going to cause us to explore two different subjects. One is going to be about how we should serve in the workplace. The other is about how we should suffer. And Peter takes the opportunity, and you're going to see it, you're going to see it. Peter takes the opportunity to transition from submission at work to suffering in the world. And that's what we're going to do today and tonight as well as we study God's word. So let's read together 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 18 through 25. And as we give reverence to the word of God, I'd like to ask you to stand as we read scripture today. 1 Peter chapter 2 starting in verse 18. This morning and tonight I'm going to share with you three statements that support our calling to be set apart as sufferers for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18. Servants, some of yours says slaves. We'll talk about that in a moment. Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, this is favorable, this is gracious. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults? You take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray for a moment. Father, as we read this passage of Scripture and study this passage of Scripture today, I pray you would show us what it looks like to be set apart even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of unfair working conditions when life is hard. I pray, God, I pray that you would give us the grace and you would show us how to suffer in a way that would honor the name of the Lord Jesus. I know that this is a different topic but I understand the importance of preaching through the entire counsel of the Word of God. And I pray that somehow, some way, the words that I, that I give today would be your words on their hearts and would change their life for eternity and make them further and greater disciples of Jesus Christ. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to give you just a couple of statements this morning. And, uh, and then I'll give, I'll give one this evening to finish up the message. But here's the first thing I want you to see. In this text, the first is this, there is a call to submission, even if it means suffering, there is a call to submission, even if it means suffering. Suffering. Now now as I said earlier, to keep things in context, uh, uh when I'm talking about context, all right. Well, I'm talking about the setting, I'm talking about the background, I'm talking about what Peter meant then and what it means now, what God want us to, wanted us to learn then and now. I, I should take the word for what it means and apply it for here. Now the word of God doesn't change, and so times may change and people may change and culture changes. God's word doesn't change. So so in, in, in Peter's day. Keeping things in context. In first century Rome, he is writing to address believers at work. Okay? So he's talking to working servants. He's talking about what their example should be like before government, before those that they work with that are over them. Now, he's writing to talk about their example and what it should be like at work. How many of you, by show of hands today, love to work? How many of you love your work? Okay. Do you love your employer? How many of you love your employer? All right. How many of you love to do what you get to do and you're excited about it all the time? It's getting less and less. Okay. Do you wake up in the morning and say, praise God, I get to work today? Nobody. Okay, okay. Now, now, I don't want to get anybody in trouble today who may not be satisfied, okay, with, with their current work situation. So, I'm not going to ask you, those of you who don't like your work, okay? You see what I did there? Peter begins this, this uh, message by calling the Christians to the same calling that they had in terms of governing authority. He says that word that we don't like to hear, submit. He says, Submit. If you look at chapter 2, verse 18, the first thing that he says is servants be submissives to your masters with, with all respect or with, with all fear. You've got to remember who Peter's writing to. He's writing the household servants. Now, some of your translations might read slaves. Uh, and, and you know, when we, when we hear the word slave, uh, a lot of times uh, the, the word that comes to mind, the word slaves brings to mind the kind of slavery that, that, that happened that was atrocious in the 1600s to 1865 here in America. And the image that comes to mind when you think of the word slave uh, is a negative one, one in which where men and women and children were torn apart from their families, torn apart from their Homes stuffed into boats and brought to a foreign land where they're sold like animals and, and forced to work for people deemed superior. American slavery was primarily racially charged. It was lifelong. It, it involved human trafficking. It, it was despicable, disgusting. It, it was unjust. It was it was cruel. It was definitely a dark spot in our nation's history. Now I'm thankful that that slavery has been abolished in this country. But there's a big difference. There's a big difference between slavery in America. And slavery in 1st century Rome. Okay, slavery in any sense is not right. So hear me out slavery in any sense is not right but slavery in the ancient world was not based upon race people from all kinds of races could be slaves slavery was also not a lifelong obligation if you saved your money you could buy yourself out of slavery but in the ancient world there was no welfare system okay there's no welfare system so if you were poor If you were poor, you could could willingly sell yourself to be a slave of wealthy landowners as a way of providing uh, uh, for your needs. The upside of slavery in the first century was that it prevented freeloading and, and living off the government. If you didn't work, you didn't eat. Slavery was a huge part of ancient economies. Scholars estimate that more than half the population of Rome were slaves. Now, here's the downside to it all. Slaves had few rights. They were were considered property. They could not vote. They they were owned like cattle. They could be be bought. They could be sold. Slaves could be beaten. Slaves could be whipped. Uh, If they did not do as the owner asked or wanted to work. If an owner said, you're going to work 16 hours today, you could not argue with that. If your owner was harsh, if your owner was rude, if your owner was abusive... You were stuck with them. Now, the slaves that Peter refers to in this passage can be translated household servants, meaning that that these slaves served in a home or under uh, or under an estate owner who had duties, uh, which meant that, that, that you could be farmers who plowed the owner's fields, or you could be on the high end and you could be a doctor, who cared for the owner's family medical needs? In Rome, there were two types of slaves. There were uneducated slaves who worked very, very hard, and then they, they were very important uh, to society. And then there was another type of slave, and this kind uh, of word Peter uses here to describe professional class slaves. They were educated people. They, were funct- they functioned as teachers, they were doctors, they were accountants, they were administrators and uh, th- for their owners. Nevertheless. You get what I'm saying. Peter is addressing a different type of servant. They were slaves, they were servants. Um, some were living in pretty good conditions. Some were actually bond servants. They enjoyed, they enjoyed uh, working for their masters. But then there were some who had, who had uh, some difficulties. They had, they had a hard time with their masters. Nevertheless, here, here's the thing about slavery. Owners had complete control over their servants. And so you can imagine that there might be tension. There might be uh, uh, situations where, where tensions would be high. Um, you could be a highly intelligent man or woman who, who knew more, who had more Education, who had more ability than your master, but you weren't getting paid well because of it. All right, you're a slave for your boss. You might even be smarter than your boss. You, your boss could be mean and irritable and irresponsible who hurts you, but there's little that you could do about it. That's the type of, the type of environment that Peter is addressing here. And, and you know what? We, we look at our lives today. Many of us could relate to this if you've ever worked for somebody who's unreasonable or rude or unappreciative. But, but the call is here to what? What are we supposed to do? Tell me, what are we supposed to do? The word submit, submit. And we're to submit with fear, in other words, with respect. And Peter says this do this regardless of whether they're good to you, do this regardless of whether they're gentle to you, do this regardless of whether they are harsh or mean to you. We are to submit to and respect our bosses, he said, their authority and their leadership. No matter what their character may be, he may be good, she may be good, she may be gentle, he may be gentle, and if that's the case, Praise God! All right, uh, uh, if they're meeting your needs and they're uplifting and they're living upright and are a joy to work for, hey, that's great. Submit to them, respect them. It's easy to do that, though. It's easy to do that. I'm grateful that 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 when I've worked in non ministerial work and in ministerial work, I, I have worked with some wonderful men. There's a few gentlemen that that come to mind when I worked in non ministerial work. Uh, there's David and there's Kevin, and then there was Bob. I thoroughly enjoyed working for. Them, they took care of me. They they cared about me. They gave me opportunities. They allowed me uh, chances to grow. And, and then in the ministry, that there have been men like pastors Randy and Eric and Gary, good men, godly men, helpful men, wise men. Uh, I work now for two men, Doctor Horton and Doctor Thompson, at, at a Bible college. A pleasure to work for. Uh, great men of God. Love them dearly. They make working a joy. They make working a lot easier. But what do you do? What do you do if you work for somebody who isn't so happy, who isn't so pleasant, who isn't so, so kind? If they're difficult, what if you work for somebody who's crooked and unjust? And that's what Peter says here. He calls them harsh. The word for harsh is translated crooked. All right? Uh, they, they don't live right. They're, they're ungodly. They're unreasonable. So the, so the word there means curved, perverse, or dishonest. What if they hurt you? What if they belittle you? What if they bring about persecution and suffering? Peter says, start a riot. Huh? You listening? Peter says, file a grievance report. (laughs) Peter says, slow down your work. Start a sick out protest. You know, everybody fake sick and not show up for work today and, and, and start a strike to slow down productivity in the business you work for. Does he say do that? No, he says be submissive. He says be respectful. Now I need to be careful here because I don't want you to hear me wrong. If there is cruel criminal activity going on in your workplace, you need to report that to governing authority. And you should confront it, and you need to get out of that situation if that's going to be the standard of that employer. They didn't have this in the first century, all right? They didn't have that right. They didn't have that ability. We live in the 21st century, and we can get out of bad situations if need be. They didn't have that choice then. I, I don't want anybody here to leave here saying, Pastor Peter said I should do nothing about an abusive boss. <laughs> okay? That, that's not what this text is about. This is about submission to those who are not so kind to you. This is about being obedient and submissive to God's will for your life. Even if it means suffering at the hands of those who are unkind to you. We are to be submissive to those who are over us, whether they are kind or unkind. Sometimes you may be wronged by an unbelieving co-worker or a supervisor or a believing co-worker or a supervisor. Even if you're not in the wrong, you may be suffering for it. God will give you the grace. Peter says, God will give you the ability to submit to and respect those who are over you, even if they are not good for you. And you may have a problem right now with the message that you're hearing. And you might be sitting in your seat right now and you're stewing over what's being said because you've been told you have your rights. And that's not what you've taught your children. And you were taught to fight and you were taught to demand respect and not be pushed around by anybody. And I hear you. But what does God's word say? What does the word of God say? What governs your life? Because the human tendency is to fight. Somebody halt, you know says something out of the way to you, and knock them flat on their back. That's the human tendency, right? The human tendency is to cause a ruckus. The, 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 the human tendency is to demand respect back at you if they disrespect you. The human tendency is to try to get even. The human tendency is to try to get that guy in charge, in trouble, for the way that he is or she is hard on you. But that's what flesh does. Anybody can fight back. Anybody can pick a fight. Anybody can argue. Argue. You see that all over the news today. People fighting for rights, <laughs> not saying that there's not a time and place for them. Some movements are for right, like the fight for the slave to be free. That's right. Women's rights in the 1920s to vote and to have equal opportunities for jobs and pay. Racial uh, desegregation in the 50s and 60s. Those are issues worth fighting for. But my boss is mean to me. Is that worth fighting over? My boss is unfair to me or works me too many hours, or maybe even belittle me or make fun of me at time or give me a hard time or never gives me the right days off or always puts me working with this group or that group that I don't want to work to, Peter's like, why, why, why? Anybody can pitch a fit. Anybody can fight back. But the spirit called believer in Christ is controlled, is compelled by the spirit of God. And you let the Lord fight those battles that you face. And the point in this part of the passage is this. Recognize leadership. Respect leadership. Submit to the authority that's over you. Even if you don't always agree with them. Because here's what they're going to remember. Your attitude. Your attitude is very important because this is where I think it applies mostly to us today. If you're in an environment that you don't like and you spend your time complaining and criticizing and arguing and fighting and failing to work hard and you end up slacking off in your job or you don't show up because you you don't like the one who's in charge and you're failing at your calling and your responsibility, first and foremost, as a Christian, to respect and submit. That kind of work ethic, that's pathetic, And that's not a great testimony for someone who's saying, I'm following Jesus with my life. You work hard regardless if they're fair to you. You be the person that is integrity-filled and godly, even if they're not. Regardless, submit to your employer as if they were the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's what this is all about to begin with. You glorify Christ and you honor Christ because the reality is this. Not everybody here is going to work for Christian people. Not everybody here is going to work for people that have the same ideals and the same values that you do. Not everybody's going to get to work at Chick-fil-A or a, or a Baptist church like I do. I'm in an exceptional job. And those of you who work in a good god honor environment, that is fantastic. But not everybody's going to get a chance to do that. And if you're faced with a difficult circumstance, you are called to submit because you are set apart in your character and your conduct and your Christ-likeness, even if you suffer for it. I'm sorry to hear if you work in a harsh environment. God has allowed that for a purpose too. And instead of getting down and defeated and discouraged in that environment, God may have you right where he wants you to be for the opportunity to demonstrate godliness to those who are ungodly. And who knows, maybe in that ungodly work environment, God may use you to draw people who don't know Christ to know Christ and have a relationship with the Lord. My point is this, do everything in your work for the glory and honor of the Lord Jesus, Remember how I talked about last week that Christians should be the best citizens in the world. Christians should also be the hardest workers in the world. Christians should be the best in work ethic. You work a full day's work. If a position calls for you to be there at specific times, you're there. You don't ask others to clock out for you. You don't sit around on company time. You take great pride in your work. You do the very best that you can. We don't steal. We don't gripe about what we're being paid or what we're not being paid. We don't fuss about our working conditions. And if the environment isn't healthy or unsafe, do it in a firm way, in a godly way, a respectful way. But ideally, Christians should be hardworking, honest, cheerful people. You should enjoy your work. You should see it as a blessing from God. You should thank God for the ability to work. You should actually smile when you get the chance to work and be grateful that you get the opportunity to do what you do. Don't make others around you miserable because you don't like your work. Be an encourager to those that you work with and they may like your work and the work that you do too. If you're an employer today, the same goes for you as well. Be someone that others would want to work for. Honor Christ in the way you lead. Lead by example. I think about uh, uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, that says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart, as to Christ... Not with our servants as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord, not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening. That, that knowing that your own master is also in heaven and there's no partiality with him. So there is a call first to submission even if it means suffering. I'm going to get to the second point today. There is a cause for submission. That's the second thing. There is a cause, a reason, a cause for submission, and that is to glorify God. The cause for submission, the cause for suffering is for the glory of God. Now, this is where Peter transitions into a a discussion on suffering, human suffering. I want you to take a look at verses 19 um, through 21 here in chapter 2. He says, For this is commendable. You see that? This is commendable. What is commendable? That you're submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good ones, but also to the harsh ones. This is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Folks, it should not matter if you're the chief executive or the custodian, whether you've received a pay raise or you haven't had one in a decade. It shouldn't matter if you work for a good, respectable employer or the devil himself. What is important is that you maintain a testimony that glorifies Jesus in all that you do before a world that is always watching what you're about and what you say and what you do. They don't know him as Savior. Your work is an Opportunity to be a witness for Christ. Peter says, This is commendable. What is commendable? Doing your work for the Lord, submitting to leadership, honoring Christ as you honor others. That is commendable. And you know what else is commendable? Even suffering to those who may be harsh to you. Now, your version of the Bible might say, For it is favorable. It's commendable. It is favorable. It may say that God is pleased. Or it may say that it is acceptable or a gracious thing when suffering unjustly. Uh, uh, The King James Version says, When enduring unjust treatment, you do it with patience. This is thankworthy, the King James says, If a man for conscience towards God endures grief, suffering wrongly. In so many words, okay, in so many words, God is pleased. Pleased. Favor is given to me. Grace is extended to me. When believers do their work with a humble, submissive attitude towards their their leaders, but also towards those who work with them, even if they are receiving the harsh end of the deal, God is honored and God honors you. Peter says, God is pleased when, when you endure brutal treatment. God is pleased when you don't retaliate. God is pleased when you do, as James says, and count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations. For in that moment, you are being perfected. The greater blessing and benefit will go to the one who suffers. The Word of God promises that. You are blessed, the Word says. You are favored. Grace is extended to you because you realize that even in harsh trials and suffering, you recognize that through it all, God is in control. Now, now, this is where the passage of scripture takes a turn and speaks into the lives of those who are struggling, who are going through hard times and sufferings altogether. Now I know that I spent the most part of my sermon getting to this point, so please don't lose me here. And if I've lost you, it's time to it's time to wake up because you want to hear this. If you are suffering today, if you are going through a hard time today, if your life is in a rough spot, if you are being challenged, if you are being tried, if you have experienced loss or are going through a grievous time enduring it while giving praise to honor the Lord Jesus Christ will glorify God and and your circumstance won't be glorified. Christ will be glorified. It makes much of him and not what you're going through. It builds up your witness and testimony and it reflects maturity and perseverance and character and perfect patience and spiritual growth and completion. That's what, if you're suffering and you're doing it in the name of the Lord that's what God is at work in your life Instead of focusing on what is temporary and fleeting like your circumstance, because the truth is the season that you're in right now, Ecclesiastes says, we'll come to an end. The writer says, focus on what is eternal, knowing that God is in control. And every circumstance gives you belief and gives you reason to keep on pressing forward. We walk confidently in God. and, and, And in that, we will be blessed by God and honored by God and rewarded by God. This goes all the way back to your scope of work. This steps into the realm of everyday circumstances that you face. So today, if you are sick, God be glorified in the midst of your illness. To his glory and praise through your treatments, to his honor and glory, through the surgeries, through, through his honor and praise, through your recovery, through your rest, through the, through the best and the worst of the sickness, your suffering can bring praise to the Lord Jesus if you will allow for it to happen. If you're in a dry season of work, and, and, and you're not making the, the money you prayed you would make, or, or you're, not, you're not getting the business that you had hoped uh, that you would get, or, or you're struggling to find work, or, or you have very little to your account right now, uh, may God still be glorified in the desert, okay? In the times when you have very little... Okay. Keep trusting in God's provision. Keep giving Him praise. Keep working hard. Keep honoring the Lord. Keep trusting Him. If you have someone that you love, that's near and dear to you, that has passed, glorify God even in the hurt, even in the grief, even in the pain. Keep eternity at the forefront of your mind and your heart. Do not grieve as if there is no hope. We believe that Christ will bring back those who have died at His return. We believe in eternal life through Christ Jesus uh, Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Death is not the final place for the child of God. It has no victory, it has no sting. You will overcome that circumstance if you will glorify God in the moment. If you're going through a hard time in in a relationship, whether it be a spouse, a child, a friend, a relative, or co worker, do not lose faith in God to restore and reconcile all things to Himself. Love your spouse. Remain faithful to your spouse. You maintain integrity even if they haven't been faithful to you. Don't stop praying. Let the Lord work. Let Him give you peace and clarity and discernment moving forward. Keep parenting your children with patience. Commit to bringing them up in the in the admonition of the Lord and not to wrath. Keep training them in the way that they should go where when they were old they will not depart. Even if they don't want to go in that way, praise God for your children. Love your children unconditionally. And in the context of this passage, love one another. Okay? Uh, Be kind and tenderhearted and compassionate and merciful. If you're in an environment of work that causes you pain and suffering, Peter writes, Honor God through it. He says, Endure it. Be patient. Be humble. Understand God is in control, God is sovereign. God sees everything that you face. I think it needs to be said today. Whatever you're going through, God sees you. God sees you. God understands. God is faithful. God is present. God cares. Even in suffering, he's there. Now, you may not understand why God has allowed the circumstances that you're going through to happen in your life. And, and, and you know what? When that happens, uh, we, we ask that, that question, and that question is, why? You, you, you look, but you can't see the Lord. You question the purpose behind the pattern of events that have taken place, but be rest assured, God is the designer of it all. And God is in the midst of your circumstance and, he, is, and he, has, he has willed to work good in those circumstances because you as his child are called according to his purposes. God is going to finish the good work that he began in you. He will be faithful. Just hold on. Your submission and your suffering is for the glory of God. The word of God says that is the reason. That is the cause. The cause for submission and suffering it's for the glory of God. I want you to think about one thing as we finish up this message today. I, I, have, to think of, I have to think of King David. Okay, You, you can glorify God with, with open hands, with an open heart, in your suffering, in your trials, in your heartache. Verse 20 says it is commendable. It is acceptable to God when you suffer when, in fact, you are doing the right thing. I thought about King David, David of uh, of all of the Old Testament uh, characters. He sticks out to me because David suffered a lot. And he cried with pain because his enemies were great. They stalked him wherever he went. Everywhere he looked, there was trouble. His life was not free from suffering just because he was anointed or just because he was a king or just because he was the guy that was after the heart of God. David lost a child that he loved. David's own son, Amnon, raped one of his sisters. His son, Absalom, turns around, gets angry at Amnon, and kills Amnon out of anger. And then Absalom turns on David when David was being gracious to him. And a good number in David's kingdom actually turns on David, and they begin to follow after Absalom. And so they make the kingdom kind of one-sided with Absalom instead of David, wanting Absalom the sinful man, to be the new king. And then David's own son Absalom is killed one day by one of David's closest and trusted servants. How do you think David responded to his trials? His heart was grieved. He wept bitterly. He cried out to the Lord. And to make all things even worse, the kingdom that he once ruled that was together, it divides. Now, in the midst of those trials... Only David could write the 86th psalm, where he said things like, Bow down your ear, O Lord, and hear me. I am poor and needy. Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. For you are great and you do wondrous things, for you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. Did you know the 86th psalm was written when Absalom turned on his own father David? How about the 56th psalm where David said, Be merciful to me, O God. For man would swallow me up, fighting all day he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I'm afraid, okay, whenever I'm in a struggle, or whenever I suffer, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And God, I will praise his word. And God, I have put my trust, I will not fear what can flesh do to me? You number my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I put my trust. I will not be afraid. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you. You have delivered, David writes, my soul from death. Have You have not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Do you see the pattern here? God is faithful. God is there. God is worthy to be praised even in suffering, even in hardship. When we encounter trials, whether they're at work or beyond work, they are opportunities to glorify God. Jesus. The scripture says today, you will be blessed. You will be honored later in the Lord's presence as you glorify him. Now, now I know that that my time is up, but I cannot leave this message with at least shedding light on the point that I'm going to make tonight. And that is this, the chief example for all suffering is Jesus Christ. If there were ever a supreme example to look to in the midst of suffering, we should look to how Jesus handled his trials and his circumstances. That's why Peter wrote in verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Christ is is the example for everything in life, including on how to suffer and how we should respond to it Christ endured, yet he did not retaliate. He committed himself to righteousness. He allowed God to work in his circumstances. He gave the Father all the praise and the glory, even when he was going through difficult times. We are called, verse 21 says, to walk in his steps. We are to be set apart like him in every way. And my question as we close out today is this Are you in step with Christ? Are you in step with Christ? Will you walk in step with him, follow his example, even through life's most difficult moments? Let me pray with you today. Father, I know that this is a, a text in which it can be hard to discern what Peter's trying to talk about. Is he talking about submission to just leaders or he's talking about suffering? Is he talking about them all together? I hope that all throughout throughout this message today we were able to hear one clear word and that is glorify God even in suffering. Glorify God even in hardship. Glorify God when life is not going as I planned. When life is not going as I would have written it out. Glorify God when my circumstances are trying. When they're difficult. When people are difficult to deal with, when it's hard to submit, when it's hard to respect, when it's hard to fear, the call is the same. Submit, for submission brings glory to Jesus Christ. It is not weak. It is not weak. It is what the child of God is called to do. It sets us apart from being an angry person. It sets us apart from being, a, from being a fighting person. It sets us apart from being quarrelsome. It sets us apart from being ungodly in character, in, in, in language, in thoughts, in action. We're called to submit not out of a sense of duty to man. We're called to submit out of a sense of honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that that is heard and that is seen in this room today. Regardless of what we may face, even if it brings suffering, unheard of suffering, we are called to glorify you and you alone. Father, I pray today for the one that is having a difficult time heeding to your word this morning. I pray for the one that doesn't know Christ this morning. I pray that they would, they would first submit to God that they would first know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so there may be someone in this room today that's saying, the the reason I have a hard time getting along with other people is because I don't have a right relationship with you. And so, Lord, maybe today someone wants to give their heart to Christ, understanding that Christ suffered, bled, and died for us. Christ submitted to hardship and and suffering for us, for, for our eternity's sake. And so may they see that and may they know that and may they believe that today if they've never given their heart to Jesus. I pray for those that are in the room and there there are probably many that are suffering in some way, shape or fashion this morning. I pray that they would be able to lay their circumstances down at your feet. That they would be able to trust you and honor you and glorify you even if their life is difficult. God, may we give you you the circumstances that we face. May we understand. May we understand that you are sovereign. That means you are in control of everything that we face. And when we choose to glorify and praise your name, Jesus is lifted up. Christ is lifted up. Others see him through us. That is the whole purpose of walking in step with you so that others are drawn into relationship with you. So, Lord, if there's someone today that is going through a trying, difficult circumstance, maybe, they're, maybe they are going through hardship, maybe, maybe some of the, some of the uh, topics that I covered um, to describe that suffering fits them right to, right to a point, I pray today that they would just give them all to you, that they would surrender everything to you, that they would trust your plan, even if it doesn't make sense, that they would trust your ways, even if they don't have answers, that they would trust, God, what you are doing even above what they would like to do in response. God, speak to our hearts today. Challenge us. Challenge us today.